lectern mic to bring us our first reading from Ephesians. First reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armour of God, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, And fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard this, they said, This is a difficult teaching. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? 
Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise be to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Wasn't it great to be led in our worship this morning by Pippa and her sister? In our Gospel this morning, uh, we just heard, read, what I consider to be one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Just to put... This scene in context, you remember at the beginning of John 6, we read the miraculous feeding of the huge crowd and the fact that the crowd, as a result, wanted to make Jesus king. But what led to this dramatic change of heart in these people in Capernaum the next day. Of course, part of the answer is this. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? The hard teaching, of course, being this whole idea of eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood, as well as his claim to be equal to God. However, this morning I want to look at what was behind that complaint, that change of heart. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you. The Greek word for offend 
is scandalizo, from which we get the English word scandal. And clearly, on one level, what Jesus was suggesting, people eating his flesh, drinking his blood, was scandalous, not least for the Jews, as indeed it would be for us if we simply took it on face value. Some years ago, uh, a friend of mine lent me a book with the slightly strange title, The Bait of Satan, The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. Bait meaning as you would put on a hook if you were fishing or if you were seeking to trap an animal in the wild. In it, John Bevere wrote this, Taking offence is one of Satan's most powerful tactics. Taking offence is one of Satan's most powerful tactics. Why is it so powerful? I believe because it panders to our pride. When somebody causes us offence, it somehow is seen an attack on who we are. And if we allow that to grow, have I gone off? Can you still hear me? Oh, good. Why is it so powerful? Because uh, if we allow it to grow, it produces fruit like jealousy, resentment, strife, bitterness, retaliation, all of which eventually lead to a destruction of relationship with each other, or worse still, with God himself, as it did with these folk in John 6. Indeed, in a real sense, taking offence was behind what Satan whispered to Eve in the garden back in Genesis 3. She, in effect, took offence at God for prohibiting her and Adam from eating from what, at face value, was the most attractive tree in the garden. Recently, Jenny and I met a man in his front garden when we were out for a little walk. It was a hot day and he was wearing shorts and we noticed that he had a very, very badly grazed knee. We didn't know him, but we got chatting and talked about various things And then Jenny said to him, we're Christians and we believe that God loves to heal people. Would you like us to pray for you? Very, very unusually in our experience, his response came back, no thanks. I gave up on God when my wife died and he let me down. He clearly 
taken offence at God and it had spoiled whatever relationship he might have had with him in those bygone days. Offence really is a powerful bait of Satan. As Jesus told us later in John's Gospel, Satan is the one who comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Sometimes, of course, offence can not be so much personal as one person to another. It can be whole churches, whole groups of Christians, as our passage illustrated this morning. Whole sways of the church can take offence at what God is doing, particularly if he was doing a new thing. When I was a very young Christian, it was in the midst of the 60s and 70s charismatic renewal. And it really divided the church. Those churches who believed that all this business of speaking in tongues and prophesying was, was really wrong. It was probably of the devil. And there were those that began to embrace it. One story stands out for me. A very, very dear friend of ours that we didn't know at the time, but we've come to know him and still know him. He was a curate in a famous central London church. And at the end of his curacy, he was called by the Lord to go out with his wife and family to serve in Kenya. He was to be supported and funded by the Church Missionary Society. And he went through all the preliminary training and things that they do prior to somebody going out to the mission field. And then, literally, two or three weeks before he was due to fly out, CMS contacted him and told him, we hear you speak in tongues. We can no longer support you. Praise God, they're rather more enlightened today. But this was in the early 60s. Wonderfully, of course, God was not thwarted by that and a local Kenyan bishop invited our friend to go out there and he served for a number of years with a very fruitful ministry before coming back to this country and was our vicar when we first became Christians. But then, in the 80s, some of you may remember John Wimber coming over here and his number one message was that we can all pray for the sick. We can all do the things that Jesus did, not just the special people up front. And that divided the churches. 
The first conference in 1984 that Jenny and I went to was hosted by Methodist Central Hall. After all that went on during that wonderful conference, Methodist Central Hall said, never again is that man darkening our doors. But praise God, ten years later, they did welcome him back. And then again, in the 90s, there was the Toronto Blessing, as it was called. And even today, there are people divided over various things. Some might even be offended by the way that Bimbi often refers to the Nigerian revival. Nevertheless, God always triumphs. And those moves that he made in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and since, there are still bearing fruit amongst those who are not offended. But how do we avoid taking offence? Or at least succumbing to Satan's bait? Well, when it's with a person, someone else who we feel has offended us in some way, the answer is simple. Not necessarily easy, but simple. It is, of course, forgiveness. It is the most powerful antidote to the bait of Satan. I don't need to dwell on this business of forgiveness in this church. It is so central to our faith. But I do feel at this point in my talk, I want us to pause for a moment. Let me ask you this. I don't want you to put hands up or stand up or indicate. But is there anyone in your life at this moment who has offended you? It may not be recently. It could be as long ago as decades but there's still that little bit of offence residing somewhere in a moment of quiet let's ask God to reveal it if necessary and then to forgive that person in Jesus name you don't need to contact them you don't need they might even in some extreme cases, not still be alive. But you, in Jesus' name, can forgive them. Let's have a moment of quiet for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, 
we declare forgiveness to anyone who has offended us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. When the offence is against God, it's us who needs to begin by asking for forgiveness. But then, like dear old Peter, it's always Peter, isn't it? Like Peter, we declare our faith and trust in the Lord. We may be offended because we've asked God to bring healing and he hasn't. Or a thousand and one other reasons. But the way forward is always to declare our faith. The poignancy of Jesus' question always moves me. You do not want to leave too, do you? He asked the twelve. But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. How can God offend us, we say? But you know, the English language is a funny old language, isn't it? Because there's lots of words in the English language which are spelt exactly the same, but have different meanings. And the word offence is one of them. I've been talking so far about taking offence. But you know, we can use the word in another way, going on the offence. This is what Paul's epistle is all about this morning. He points out to the Ephesians, don't they know there's a war on? As Captain Mannering would scream at his platoon. Perhaps the most important thing to see this morning, if we are going to go on the offence, is who our enemy really is and who they aren't. Paul writes, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, not against other people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, we're not attacking people. When we go on the offence, it's not against people. That's why this business of forgiveness is so vitally important. It immediately removes them from being the target. Nevertheless, Paul makes it very clear that we are to be prepared for battle. You've probably heard endless sermons on the armour of God that this passage focuses on. And that's not my intention this morning. 
But I would say this, that armour is vital. And I want to remind you where we get that armour from. We get it because, as Paul tells the Romans, as Christians, we put on Christ. We put on Christ. And the armour comes free. But we are to wear it. We are to be conscious of it all the time. Some years ago, Jenny and I were at a meeting uh, for our prayer ministry team in the church where we were, and one of the prayer ministers was a, a very, very intelligent person. They were actually a very prominent doctor and surgeon. And um, they actually said this, and I was flabbergasted. They said, when I go to bed at night, I take my armour off, and when I wake up in the morning, I put it back on. And I was lost for words. And when I said, but you can't do that. Oh, yes, that's what I do. Well, besides the fact that you need your armour just as much in bed as you do in the day, knowing what the enemy can get at during the night in dreams, etc. But we can't take the armour off because that would be like taking Christ off. So we need Christ, we need that armour. So next time you are tempted, perhaps because somebody has offended you, you are tempted to go on the offence against them, don't. But we are to go on to the offence against the wiles of the enemy. And how? With the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Taking offence, going on the offence. But actually, when I was thinking about this, there's a third meaning of this English word offence. It's to commit an offence. In other words, to break the law. We need to recognise that whilst we may sometimes be offended and we are to avoid attacking people, there are times when we will cause offence. And I don't mean cause offence in the sense of being unpleasant or nasty to someone. We should never cause offence intentionally. I don't believe Jesus, who frequently caused offence, ever did so intentionally. He never did it to deliberately hurt people or to question their integrity as a person. But nevertheless, he committed 
an offence. He caused offence. What do I mean by this? Well, we may speak out a truth of the Lord, for example, to somebody, and they thoroughly disagree with it. In fact, they find it hard to swallow, as did these people in our Gospel reading. But let me briefly mention three ways to avoid our offence being wrong. The motive where we find ourselves causing offence by speaking the truth must always be in love and in peace and in grace. Secondly, if it's right to speak, let's not in fear dilute what we're going to say. What do I mean by that? Well, when this crowd were offended by what Jesus said about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and being equal with God, Jesus didn't turn to the crowd and say, um, well, I didn't mean it quite like that. Um, Let's soften it. Let's see if we can have a compromise. No, he didn't dilute it. He stuck to what he knew was the truth. But thirdly, we need to recognise that even if we follow the first two, we don't ever deliberately set out to cause offence. We avoid diluting it if people are offended. We may still fall foul of the law we may be accused, even arrested, for causing an offence. Even in this country, today, (coughs) excuse me, increasingly folk are losing their jobs by standing up for what they believe is God's way. They are being arrested sometimes for speaking out on things like marriage, sexuality, other religions, abortion, etc. Even in this last week, a street preacher in Northern Ireland has been arrested, being accused of hate crimes. But in the report on that that I read in an email this week, there was a wonderful little quote to make us think. What might be offensive to one person might be salvation to another. What might be offensive to one person might be salvation to another. So the word offence, one word, one spelling, unless you're an American when you spell it with an S instead of a C, but the Americans have never learnt to write and spell. There's me being very offensive. It can mean to take offence, so easy, 
and yet so powerful a bait of Satan. It spoils relationships with each other and ultimately with God. Forgiveness and faith are the guaranteed antidotes. But we're also called to go on the offence as Christians, not against people, but by putting on the armour of God as we put on Jesus, we can battle against the dark forces, the very one who would seek to destroy us. And perhaps we must be prepared to be accused of committing an offence, challenging society and the ideas that are banded about. After all, Jesus told us we have to be salt and light. And in doing so, we may cause offence. We may land up charged with committing an offence. But we mustn't compromise in speaking the truth in love. And remembering that Jesus called us to take up our cross and follow him. So, folks, let us all be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Let us put on the full armour of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes and fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Amen. Amen.